90.3 Montclair State Underground Radio. Hey, what's up out there? This is Japan Nick, and you're listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium on WMSC's 90.3 radio station from Montclair State University. Tonight I have with me Hades guitarist Dan Lorenzo. Now, Dan, introduce yourself for my listeners out there. Hey, I'm Dan Lorenzo. I used to be in Hades. First, my first question is for you, though, Nick. What's up? How did you get Bobby Blitz to do his station ID? I did an interview for him with him uh, maybe about two and a half years ago. Okay. Now he's a great guy. So anyway... You wanted me to give a little formal introduction to my life, and uh, basically I've been calling myself Dan from Hades since way back in 1978, as soon as I picked up a guitar. But Hades kind of really started in most people's minds in 1987 with Hades' first CD. Actually, it was an album called Resisting Success. Then we put out a second CD called If At First You Don't Succeed. Then we toured Europe, broke up. I started a band called Nonfiction. We did a few albums, and uh, then uh, we did nothing for quite a while, and Hades got back together in 1999, did three CDs for Metal Blade, did some shows, some reunion shows in Germany, some festivals with, you know, bigger bands opening up. And then in 2007, I did a CD with Bobby Blitz from Overkill called The Cursed Room of Room Full of Sinners, and what I left out was I did, and this is what everybody's probably yeah. tuning in for, is I did three solo albums. That's what really set the world on, uh, tilted it on its axis. So, like, back in the day, Hades got featured in a few fanzines as well as major periodicals back in the 80s and 90s. Can you tell me a bit about some of the gooder memories? Well, the gooder memories, is that proper um, college grammar you're using? I know yes. you're, you're obsessed with uh, fanzines, right, yeah. Nick? So, yeah, the, the fanzine for people out there listening don't know what a fanzine is. It's basically a magazine done by fans. So it could have real real small production values. It could be mimeographed, Xerox copied. But um, it was basically a thing uh, to let people in the underground know about the bands mm -hmm. that the mainstream media wasn't uh, supporting or promoting. And it was a really cool thing because, you know, you'd be living in Paramus, New Jersey, and then you get a magazine from Germany or a magazine from Michigan or a magazine from Florida or Kick-Ass Monthly or Sledgehammer Press or whatever to write about you. And honestly, it was just as thrilling as being in, like, you know, People Magazine's 50, uh, 50 Best Looking People, whatever that issue is. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a thrill. The fanzine scene was really cool back in the 80s. And um, I guess also, too, Tell me about like when you started getting looked at by say like Hit Parader and things of that nature. Well, that was always that was the next step up, and that kind of didn't really happen until after you got a record label. Um, so we really didn't get in Hit Parader as far back as, as I can remember until like the late by the late eighties when we were like you know doing shows and touring a little bit and had a worldwide release. We get in Circus Magazine and Hit Parader and all mm. those magazines, which was really cool. Wow, that's awesome. So, like, what did it mean for you guys when, like, let's say you got your band into something like, say, Megaforce is Born to Metalize? Well, that was really cool at the time. We thought it was going to be cool because at the time, uh, Megaforce only had Metallica, Testament, Anthrax, and Overkill, and maybe Exciter. And Born to Metalize was uh, Megaforce's first ever compilation mm -hmm. CD. And the reason Hades even got on it was because of a group of people called the Old Bridge Militia. I know you're familiar with that name. Yeah. And they basically said to Johnny Z, hey, we're down with Hades. You got to sign Hades. So we were on it, but it was ended up being incredibly disappointing because uh, the other three bands on Born to Metalize, 
they re-recorded all their songs and we just um, kind of remixed ours. So the, the sound quality wasn't that great. And by the time, a few months after it came out, that original version of Hades actually broke up. So would you say, um, for the old school fans out there, would you say that's a real collector's item just to get that I would say it's mix? a real collector's item because under 5,000 people have it. So yes. But I think my solo albums are actually even more so yeah. <laughs> collector's items. Even less people yeah. have those. So Now, tell me the story. You got onto Metal Blade Massacre, uh, or Metal Blade's Metal Massacre comp, right. I believe number six, right? Correct. Yeah, we actually were asked to be on Metal Massacre number three, which would have been a lot cooler because it was a lot earlier in the uh, history of metal. But we had a, an attorney who thought he could read a record label contract, and he really... We should never have listened to any lawyer we ever talked with. Um, he basically persuaded us not to be on Metal Massacre 3, and we ended up on Metal Massacre 6. And by that, by the time that came out, I was working at Macy's unloading trucks for uh, $4.50 an hour, and I had no band. Hades was completely finished, the original version of that lineup. Supposing you would have been on to Metal Massacre 3, what song of yours would it you uh, picked? I guess we would have had, uh, back in the old days, we had a song called Gloomy Sunday and Rogue's March, one of those two songs that are on Born to Metalize. And then, you know, there wasn't a lot to choose from because Haiti started off like most bands. Uh, we did a lot of covers, and we slowly broke in with the originals, you know? I can understand that. What would be some of the bands that you'd really, really look at and fill your, uh, how you say, set lists? Um, like the Aerosmith, No, not really. A lot of Priest, yeah, a lot of Priest, a lot of Maiden. Those are the two bands that we probably did the best job of covering, but we would do some obscure stuff at the time. Saxa was kind of obscure, a band called Girl or Fastway, a couple of Motorhead songs, some Ozzy, a little bit of Black Sabbath, a little bit of everything, you know? I see. Now, um, what were some of the greater memories you had where, like, say, Hades would open up for, say, oh, Megadeth's in town. Or yeah. like, say, maybe Rigor Mortis and Death Angel. You keep bringing up Rigor yeah. Mortis. You just wanted to talk about your favorite band, Rigor Mortis. Now, yeah. Hades kind of became the house band at Lemoore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'd get paid decently from other clubs, and Lemoore would always give us, oh, we'll give you $200 and a $2 a pass for everybody you bring in. So Lemoore was my bass player, Jimmy Shulman's. That was his dream come true, was playing Lemoore, and we opened up for everybody from Megadeth, Anthrax, Metal Church, Nuclear Assault, Man of War. We played with Slayer at the Chance in Poughkeepsie, but we've kind of pretty much played. Did you with ever get a show with Venom? Uh, no, never played with Venom. Fate? Oh, you know, actually, I'm sorry. We played with Venom in Ooh. Germany when we did a Hades reunion in 2000 at the Wacken Festival. Mm. I think they were on the same bill as us, but that's really, you know, there's a million bands on those German festivals, so it's not like you're really opening for them directly. But no, not in America. We never opened up for Venom. So pick out, like, say your two or three favorite shows from Lemoore's back in the day. Um. I think uh, I remember opening for Death Angel when my boy Gabby Falou from uh, Foundations Magazine, he wrote that uh, Hades blew Death Angel off the stage, which was really nice of him to write that. And then I think uh, I remember the Megadeth show being really cool because I remember Dave Mustaine wearing an ugly red Hades shirt after the show. So that was kind of cool that Dave Mustaine would wear a Hades shirt and the show was uh, really good opening up for Megadeth. That's awesome. Oh, why, thank you. <laughs> and... um. Also, tell me, um, I know you're associated with stepping out. How did you know that? <sighs> Facebook. Oh, I'm not on Facebook, so yeah. okay, go on. I'm sorry to But um, 
Larry Cohen's was kind of like the OG guy there. How did you get into the picture with stepping out? Larry who? Larry Cohen's? Larry Collins. See, if he's yeah. listening, he'd be very upset, but he's not listening, thankfully. Um, well, I basically came home from a European tour in 1993 from nonfiction, and I floundered around a little bit driving bands. I drove uh, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, and then um, I got a job at Stepping Out Magazine because I couldn't find a quarter for a bagel on my 31st birthday. My wife is probably recoiling. In the, actually, it's my 30th birthday. That's yeah. right. It sounds a little bit better. Um, so I, I basically, the band kind of stopped. I fell in love with a woman named Gina, who I ended up marrying. But um, as far as I was concerned, 1994, that was the end of my musical career because I got a job selling advertising and writing for Stepping Out. Wow, awesome. Now, um, why don't we take a listen to a couple of uh, songs. We've got Nobody's Fault, Alice in Chains, and Night Stalker. Tell us about those songs. Also, Get It Hot. Oh, okay. Why did so you these, want those in this? Why did I want those songs? Because they're great songs, man. This is stuff I listened to in high school. Not yeah. so much the Alice in Chains, but uh, what are you playing? Nobody's Fault? Uh, Get It Hot, Nobody's Fault, Alice in Chains. Right. Yeah, so the first two I listened to in high school, I'm a big fan of old Aerosmith and a lot of my friends or who are younger think when I when I say I love Aerosmith they think it means love in an elevator but uh, check this out
All right. That was Hades with Night Stalker. Now, tell me, Dan, how popular was that song back in the day? You know, I don't like your line of questioning, Nick, and I'm going to uh, promote the, uh, the, f- the fact that Dark Symphonies Records is re-releasing the first two Hades CDs, DarkSymphonies.com. No, it was uh, a <laughs> Night Stalker was a big song for us live. I wrote the song in my illegal basement apartment in Clifton, New Jersey. I tuned to C-sharp because I didn't understand that Black Sabbath was already tuned down to E-flat. But it was a really cool song to play live. And off the air, you said, yes, it was about Richard Ramirez. Yeah. Yeah, what? What's, yeah. What's, oh, what? What? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. But um, so tell me, what is like the um, rare and unreleased or bonus type stuff you have on these uh, re-releases? Um, well, Dark Symphonies is re-releasing Resisting Success, If at First You Don't Succeed. The first two Hades albums... And what they did is they took um, all of our demo tapes from those, uh, the pre-production for those first two albums and some stuff with the original singer, Paul Smith, and they're putting Mm -hmm. this really cool packaging together. Uh, It'll be out in September, Hades on DarkSymphonies.com. That's awesome. Now, um, I guess back in the early 80s, besides like Gene Corey and crew, who were some of the major press and media figures that like, the underground metal scene and bands like Hades, like you guys lived for. Uh, there's the magazine I told you about before, Kick-Ass Monthly out of Long Island. That was a big one, and they gave us a perfect 10 for our uh, 45, The Cross. Uh, that was Hades' second 45. Sledgehammer Press out of Michigan. Um, and then, you know, Nasty Ronnie was in every single fanzine that was out there. Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage, and I feel like Hades was kind of right behind him. You had Metal Forces from England, Kerrang. There's there's so many. I mean, you actually probably remember more of them than I do because you seem to be more fascinated with the fanzine. Yeah. I forgot them all, about all of them already, honestly, you know? A lot of them anyway. Yeah, I mean, um, to be honest, I ended up getting a very nice package of 1990s. Pretty much it was more centered around the death and the black metal scene because, I mean, it's just like think about the 90s. Like thrash metal wasn't as heavy or wasn't as prevalent, but like that was death metal and black metal's time to really shine in mm-hmm. the 90s. Yeah, and I didn't really even know, like you're showing me tonight fanzines that are brand new, and I didn't know there was still fanzines out and alive, but they, you know, it's cool. It's all making a comeback maybe, right? Um, It's kind of like made by the hardcore people for the hardcore people. Sure. I mean, there's different pockets around the world, whether it's like Portland, Seattle, L.A., New York, Baltimore, um, parts of Europe, like you say, Norway, Sweden, Finland, Japan, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, I mean, Mexico City, South America. I mean, there's some really, really fanatical people in those places that it's just like they live for that stuff. It's very cool, man. That's what why bands like us keep putting out re-releases, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, just everywhere you'll find those hardcore people if you have something really, really amazing to show them. Like, if you have something good, I, I wish I had something amazing come. to show them. No, but I have something amazing to tell you, right? Yeah, we definitely. Break the news what is here? this? Tell me about well, it. Well, there's a band I fell in love with about six months ago called Ancient Wisdom, and they had a song called The Opposition that just blew me away, and I kept listening to it, and I sent the video to all my friends. I made my wife listen to it like 300 times, and... Um, 
I wanted to, uh, I mailed some stuff to Stepping Out magazine and a couple of my old CDs to the vocalist Nathan Opposition from the band Ancient Wisdom. And what I wanted to happen was I wanted him to write back or call me or text me and say, hey, let's do a little project together. Yeah. But I didn't want to be the one to actually ask him because I'm a little bit older than him and I felt yeah. kind of weird. I'm kind of done playing music. But happily, a few weeks ago, Nathan said, hey, man, why don't we write some songs together? So now, for the first time since I did The Curse with Bobby Blitz from Overkill, I'm actually writing songs with another singer. He also plays drums and uh, we don't have a band name definitive yet but um we're gonna do some writing and recording together myself dan lorenzo from hades and Nonfiction, with nathan opposition from the band ancient wisdom now um give me timeline wise when do you expect to put out this first recording probably within the next few hours the way i usually like to do things now i don't know um i guess i'll take a ride out to cleveland sometime mm -hmm. this summer and then we'll rehearse and record right away. But we're not going to plan on doing a big full-length album, and we can't imagine having a record label. So we'll just do everything ourselves, and hopefully hopefully we can get it out within the next six months or so. That would be my ideal time frame. Okay. And um, isn't um, Nathan Opposition's band, aren't they on Prosthetic Records? They were. They had um, one release on Prosthetic, yes, but they are no longer right now. They're free agents. They're actually... Uh, they have a bunch of killer tunes they sent me. They're, um, they're pretty much finished with their, I believe it's going to be their fourth CD. Um, I'm not sure of the label, but they are no longer on prosthetic. They're uh, free agents right now. Well, on that note, let's play that song, The Opposition. Please do. Here we go.
All right. Now, dude, though. So, like, you think maybe um, somewhere down the line you may um, come out to Cleveland and be like, dude, Nathan, we, we got to do at least a festival gig somewhere along the line. Absolutely not, dude. I'm petrified to be live on Instagram. I'm not going to go playing a live show at the, uh, this point in my career. Now, because, you know, honestly, I want to <laughs> yeah. play all the guitars and bass. And Nathan, I'm going to have him sing and play the drums. So it's just basically the two of us. It's like a studio project. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nick Japan. So you think um, you may uh, have a release perhaps end of 2017? I think that's quite possible, young man. Yeah, for um, I don't know what the project's going to be called, but it'll be myself and Nathan Opposition. And as I told you before, the Haiti stuff is all getting re-released on Dark Symphonies. And, and mm -hmm. that's about it for me musically, nothing else. Could you ever see um, Hades maybe flying out to uh, the Midwest or the West Coast? I could to, see us uh, perform like out. a festival gig no. or two. No, um, none of us are really into that right now. We've okay. all moved on, you know. And I mean, I'm friends with everybody in the band pretty much. Like, I'm still friends with Jimmy Shulman, really tight with him, Scott LePage, Ed Furman. But um, no, no more Haiti shows. The last thing we did was, uh, I think, 2010. We played in Germany at the Bang Your Head Festival with Queensryche and Twisted Sister, and that was it, man. No more. No okay. mas. Well then. But um, I guess back in the '80s, like what particular songs of yours did you feel like were getting featured on the airwaves the heaviest back then? Um, well, we were never really a radio band, but yeah. you know the leaders in Night Stalker and Opinionate were kind of big and um, comp on compilation CDs in Europe in particular, and uh, in the underground. But there really wasn't any song. I mean, that's why you know. I guess I'm not doing it anymore. There, there was not enough to go on. There was no legacy. There was nothing really big. I mean, nonfiction never even had, you know, a minor hit in America. Nothing, you know. So um, I'm going to say none of my songs yeah. <laughs> were that popular. What about, like, the, the college radio circuit, though? Yeah, I mean, we're always number one most added on college radio, which, as you know by now, Nick, yeah. what does that mean? Um, that means nothing, right? I have no idea. Yeah. But, I mean, nowadays, I mean, it's like... For the underground metal community, it's college radio or nothing. Yeah. well, Because, um, I mean, it's just like, name any of the major radio stations that, like, play heavy metal. None of them, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just like, it, if, it, if it's metal, it'll be, like, something like Metallica, and it'll be Master of Puppets. Right. Or maybe something from the Black Album. Well, we didn't do this to be yeah. popular, right, yeah. Nick? I mean, this is it's just fun. It's but underground I mean, music. It's fun yeah. liking stuff that not everybody else loves. And, you know, a lot of, there's yeah. a lot of great music out there. But, yeah, it is all underground. But that's cool. Definitely. Now, um, I remember you mentioning to me the Midnight Metal shows on WRTN. What were those like? They were cool. They were done by this neurotic guy named Matt. Actually, a real nice kid, and he had me up there a lot. And um, Hades actually got our first... Um, deal with Torrid Records because I was always up at Midnight Metal and uh, Todd Gordon from Torrid Records was up there one night and he uh, was pumping the first Exodus CD, Bonded by Blood, and we became friendly and uh, I gave uh, Todd my phone number. We stayed in touch. And then when Hades did a brand new demo, they ended up signing us. Wow, that's insane. Now, um, let me see. What else? Nick, this is already past my bedtime. I hope you have some questions written down. Definitely. Now, what would be another good song that you'd like to hear? Maybe uh, The Cross? You want to play The Cross? Sure. That's from the uh, first Hades CD. 
resisting success and all of the uh, early Hades is coming out on Dark Symphonies Records uh, in around September or so. Okay, here we go. You're listening to WMSC 90.3. We got Dan Lorenzo in the house. Here we go. The Cross.
Yo, and we're back, and this is WMSC 90.3. So, um, you remember back in the day ever seeing the great cat or anything the like that? The great cat, no. I remember hearing about her. I remember her telling everybody how great she was, but no, I never saw her, Nick. Oh, man, it's just, um, I mean, she, she's really cool, though. Um, I remember uh, getting an interview with her published in The Aquarian, and... Um, She's really friendly to fans and like underground bands. Like I remember uh some of my friends in this band, uh it's now called Nuclear Hatred. They were called Zamboni. And she'd always like be retweeting the stuff and things like that. But um I don't know, it'd be great to see uh, a live show from her one of these days, you know? I wonder how many people are holding their breath now waiting for a great cat reunion show. Well, I could imagine her doing maybe like a festival a festival gig or somewhere. a festival. Yeah, I mean, what? yeah, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't remember too much about her. Honestly, Nick, I'm being silly. Yeah, it's way past my bedtime at this point. I see. So what are we playing next, brother? OK, let me see if I can track down some music from the curse. All right. So the curse was a project I did with Bobby Blitz from Overkill. Um, drummer Mike Christie from Nonfiction, Job the Raver from Murder One, and we put out a CD in 2007 called The Cursed Room Full of Sinners. We only did one show, but it was really what fun. What was that song that you sent me? Uh, was it Evil in the Bag, maybe? Let me see. Well, let you me found just it? see if I can find it. Um... So how far back do you and uh, Blitz go? Uh, really, Hades played shows with Overkill probably as far back as 1982. And um, wow. then in 1993, Overkill was nice enough to bring us on their American tour when I was in the band Nonfiction. And then we went over to Europe with Overkill as well. So we played with Overkill. I mean, I probably opened up for them like 75 times at least. And uh, Blitz and I stayed in touch, and he was... Uh, Pretty much heavily into my first solo CD, Cassius King, which I released in 2003. And then Bobby sang one song on my second solo CD, Nice Being Alone. And then in 2007, we did our one and only album together. It's his only album he's ever done outside the band Overkill. And it was called The Cursed Room Full of Sinners. Great CD. I see. So, like, what was it like just recording those songs together, like composing them and stuff like that. Well, we did over the course of about nine months. He was on a gigant tour for part of the time with Megadeth, opening up for Megadeth. That was around... Um, 2006, probably. Yeah. So um, it was really laid back, and you know, it was kind of... I know Blitz had a really good time because he never did anything outside of Overkill. And to me, it was cool because it kind of sounded like nonfiction with a different singer. Yeah. And Blitz was really into it because he got to uh, express a vocal styling that he really never did before in Overkill. So it's like a real underground CD. Some people really love it. A lot of people were not thrilled that Blitz went down a different path. You know, it's not thrash at all. It's pretty much, it reminds me of like Black Sabbath meets early Aerosmith. I see. Like, do you think um, he might have interest in doing... Um other music that's kind of like when you hear him, like, I mean, anytime you ever hear Bobby Blitz's voice, it's like you instantly know him. He has like an unmistakable voice. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think I think it was really fun for him. I'm sure he could do some other projects because um, his voice, it's pretty unique, but it's not 
stuck in one style. There's a lot more layers there than you would ever imagine. I know some people were just blown away by by what he did with the curse because they didn't expect it out of him, you know? Yeah. So um, here we go, Evil in the Bag. Okay, and that was Evil in the Bag from Room Full of Sinners. So, uh, Dan, um, any possibilities of maybe a few more songs with Blitz? There's actually one song we never released called Lucifixion. That's my wife's favorite song. Um, What I would love to do with this CD is re-release it with the four songs that we demoed with um, the drummer from Overkill, Ron Lipnicki, and the Hades bass player, Jimmy Shulman. But, um, you know, honestly, Blitz is so busy with Overkill, and I don't think he wants to do anything that detracts from Overkill. So to me, I don't want to spend, you know, a year writing, rehearsing, recording, releasing a record that, you know, we can't even promote. You know what I mean? So Yeah, and um, also, too, I mean, it's just like, what is it? Like, there was a new Overkill album, like, two, three months ago? Yeah. So they're still, and they're bigger than ever in Europe. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're huge in Europe right now. So I think we'll leave the curse where it is, and I'll just do my little project with Nathan Opposition and... You know, just for fun. Not we're not like you were asking me off the air if we're gonna do any shows or you know, it's just really not where I'm at right now. You know. On that note, um, name a uh, album from Overkill, and uh, pick a song. Um, how about play something from their very first album, and play uh, "Rotten to the Core." Good choice. All right, brother. Thanks so much for having me. By the way, man, I appreciate it. Definitely. It's really cool to have like an OG metal musician. I am OG, yes. And uh, yeah. painfulpleasures.com. You said I could mention that, right? Nick? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about like your work in the tattoo world. Well, I've only been in the tattoo business for three years. I'm not an artist or anything like that. I've been in sales for many, many years um, in my life, You know, whether it's Stepping Out Magazine or I even worked for the Aquarium back in the late yeah. 80s. But um, basically, the last three years, I've been in the tattoo business and I work for a company called Painful Pleasures and we distribute... Tattoo supplies, piercing supplies, cool clothing. So check out PainfulPleasures.com. That's what I do now. It's a company out of Maryland that I work out of my home in Jersey, and I go to a lot of tattoo conventions. And I still write for a lot of magazines, including Stepping Out. But we're going to go out. I'm going to say goodnight. I'm going to drive home, see if I can find my car and go to bed. I want to yeah. thank Nick Japan so much for Japan having me. Nick. Oh, Japanic. I'm sorry about Japan that. Japan Nick. No, Japan Nick. Japan yeah. Nick. All right, here and we I'm go. I'm Dan Lorenzo, and good night, everyone. Much appreciated. And remember, people, this should be up within the next 14 days. SoundCloud.com slash Japan-Nick. You'll find it soon enough. Here we go. Thanks again.